from Team Chevrolet at Ann and 95, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. We're inside the showroom of uh, Team Chevy on a Wednesday. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield. we got all the cars surrounding us, Camaros, Corvettes, got all the family trucksters as well. They are impressive cars, but you know I'm staring. This was good, the way uh, Mateo set this up. Uh, black Camaro, I've had one of those. It's been 22 years, so I will reference that often. And as I joke all the time, if you are from New Jersey, then you've had a Camaro. If not, life has failed you. Wow. I only had like a three-year run. I only had a three-year run, and then I got to a point, like, even in my 30s, where I was like, I can't get out of this thing. I didn't plan. My, my derriere is uh, too lardy, and I was having some trouble. But I, w- I would do it again. I would do it again. I would probably get uh, a few speeding tickets. But, uh, yeah, we'll tell you all about the uh, Team Chevy anniversary sale going on right now. Blow out the 2022s as well. Awesome used car selection. I like to call them certified used cars or pre-owned. How about that? I didn't plan. I planned on just doing the show. I didn't plan on driving out of here with a car, but looking around a little bit, I was like, oh, uh, I've seen you gotten before. So, I don't, you know, huh? I've seen them hook you. I'm, Maybe not one of these at, at one of these live shows, but I've yeah. seen it. I mean, I'm pretty easy to get, but really, the cars are selling themselves. So, what are you going to do? Yeah. I, I think you, I've always wondered why you are in a sedan. I don't understand why you don't drive like a Tahoe. I think you're a, rec- a, a big one. You're going to suggest the Corvette for me. I like the I color. Look, it's pretty sick. You know, I will say you are actually, I, I've i often called you meek on the roads, but you actually are more aggressive than I remember. So yes. I don't know if you're getting more angry and, and just kind of alpha. No, I always Because I've seen you been. blow by me leaving shows at times, and I'm like, oh, wow, there goes the, there goes the car. I've He's, always been aggressive as a driver. You just didn't think so. You think because you, of my personality that I'm not, but yeah. I am. You try to drive carefully when I'm in the car because I'll get scared. I'm I'm kind of a control freak, so sure. when I'm not behind the wheel, I'm I'm gripping for my life. And also, I mean, I text a lot, so I've <laughs> not the safest thing to do. No, not at I all. Know. I'm good at it. Boy, you know, today, really, after yesterday's show, because because we like to mix. The, my God, who is what is going on? Um, after the show, I often think like, hey, tomorrow we're not going to do this. In spite of what may come down, we're not doing this again. So today is a day. I think we're taking a break from uh, Aces and, and Prego Gate. Okay. Um, I'm also mostly taking a break from John Morant. So I'm like, we have so much other stuff to cover. Sure. We like. I really want to get into what UNLV did this past weekend on a couple of fronts. So we are going to talk to uh, DJ Thomas's father, UNLV great D Dan Thomas is going to join us in the five o'clock hour. We've got a lot to get to with the Lakers and the Nuggets last night. A lot of impressions out of game one. The other thing was no more A's, at least for the day. And then I get, I, then I get an A's poll. Like, oh, God, we've got to put this in the show. Apparently, we're all wrong, and the men of the people, as we claim to be, we have no idea what we're talking about because I got a poll today that said Clark County massively supports an A's stadium. So that's coming up later as well. But I was like, no stadium talk, no public funding, nothing. No and jaw th- talk. And then, by the way, my phone is blowing up with jaw text and a group text. Uh, I'm like, you can't get away from it. And then for two hours last night, I really didn't even know what was going on. But apparently yesterday was do or die day in Zona for the Yotes. And there was this big vote in Tempe. And I'm like, now i got to read up on a whole new proposal and project that's planned, which, by the way, they let go to public vote, and what happens when the public gets the vote on vote money and property? 
and land for a team in a new arena. They always vote no. They get eviscerated. And the old heads, and I'm, I'm almost there, they came out in mass and voted, and it got crushed. And then the NHL was just, the NHL sends out a statement, uh, Garrison sends out a statement, we're really disappointed. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah, because there, there have been a lot of places that have kind of laid the foundation that, hey, when you threaten to leave and you ask for public money, you get it. But in this case, uh, it was a rousing loss for the Yotes. Now, what does that mean moving forward? Now you have all these cities potentially lining up to grab them. I don't think there's any new arenas out there for them. Maybe that would be 10 years down the road. But some of the cities they could go to include, what, Houston, Kansas City, Canada would love another team. Ottawa, yeah. I mean, uh, Quebec, uh, Quebec City. Yeah, Quebec City. Uh, and then there were some other wild cards I saw people mentioning, like, you know, OKC. Um, what they're not going to do, though, is move quickly. They are stuck in that is – it, is it actually called Mullet Arena? Millet, I think. Millet? I think so. Is it Millet? So the uh, the ASU Arena – yeah, I saw today Wyshynski, who's great on covering hockey, although one of many people I saw who kept writing this was v- – almost completely privately financed that they were voting on, which when I read more of it, I'm like, no, not the case. (laughs) But anyway, uh, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly told ESPN, I don't envision a scenario in which the Coyotes are not playing in, as Wyshynski spells it, M-U-L-L-E-T-T, Mullet Arena next season. Coyotes have confirmed. So they are there, but for how long? And a little later in the show, we can unravel what was proposed and what was pitched, and also what the Phoenix media is saying, because they're not covering it like we're covering the A's. Yeah, a little different for sure, and a lot different. Look, and I wonder why. It's a team that's already there, for one thing. It's a team that hasn't really been supported, but hasn't really had a great arena to play at. Uh, they had an okay spot out at the mall, far away from everything. Which the is Glendale weird. spot wasn't a good spot. I didn't like it. It wasn't Why? great for hockey. I mean, it was okay. I liked it for UFC much more than I liked it for hockey. And right. look, it's not close to Phoenix. It's too far away. And for you know, eight games a year for the NFL, that's fine. But for and they, and 41 they moved, dates? They moved on in the downtown Phoenix arena because then they kind of reconfigure that mostly for basketball. So now it, yeah. it's not great for hockey. Yeah. So, they, I mean, they need a hockey-specific, really cool spot. And the other city that was mentioned yesterday, which I think is a real Vegas topic, is Salt Lake, which from what I read – uh, that's an arena that they had to reconfigure and take out a bunch of seats to have the Golden Knights in there for exhibition. And then also reading back over you know multiple comments over the years from Bill Foley, most recently organizational people talking about their excitement for the new Scripps deal, which they want to you know have TV channels all the way up north, Salt including Lake, Boise. Salt Lake. Yeah. So is Bill Foley powerful enough where he's like, no, 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 no. My plan is I have this region. Yeah, I'd be shocked. In, unless you're going to give me Zona, and then I'll get all aggressive down there. Yeah. But I, he, I think he wants. Of course, he does. That, he wants Salt Lake. Plan, it's been the plan from the beginning. They, yep. they do summer tours every year. Uh, go up to Boise. Go up to Salt Lake. They're trying to capture, you know, that western western edge of the Rocky Mountains. I mean, obviously the Avalanche have Denver and you know the eastern edge of the Rockies, but they want to be that western edge of the Rocky Mountain team that covers you know Grand Junction, Salt Lake, uh, Boise, all those spots. Well, that so, blows up. If the NHL gives them Salt they're Lake. They're not which, going to Salt Lake. No shot? No, they're not going to Salt Lake. Oh, okay. They're going to play in Arizona this year and see where they can go. I mean, I think some of these markets are going to be aggressive in trying to get them. And if they want to build an arena or fit an arena, like in Houston's case, like they're going to get the team. Arizona will, doesn't will, care uh, about hockey. Will Morello have to sell? 
we'll, I mean, we'll see if maybe he can. I mean, somebody will probably want the team as part of like, building an arena, like Tillman Fertitta. Sure, sure. But but I think for the most part, like he he might be able to broker a deal somewhere and say, oh, Houston wants a team, but Fertitta wants to own it. I'll take a team, um, and I'll and I'll take my team and move it to KC if they want to, me to do that. Or you know, who knows? Who knows how much he wants to be in hockey? How much is he turned off? Like how much you turned off at this point that you can't get an arena, you can't can't get support. Nobody's going to the games. Maybe you just don't want to be a part of it anymore. I can't imagine them making many more efforts to stay there. Why would you? I mean, a, mar- uh, a market tells you repeatedly, "We're not that interested." You move. Just not that into you. We're not that into you. Yeah. So don't get don't don't start getting creepy. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Stop being so thirsty. Now you're going. Yes. Stop being so thirsty. Yes. Uh, Heat Celtics tonight. Tips around five fifty. We're going to join in progress on ESPN Las Vegas. Right after six o'clock. Uh, speaking of TV, that's will, not what I'll be watching. Will I join in right away? Probably not. I uh, I will probably tape it and then I can kind of skip through and I just stay off social media except for following all the uh, stadium projects around the country. Um, I am very down with. You're going to laugh at this. Fatal Attraction right now. I saw it. It's not. I I kept saying people hype it. I, is it a remake of the movie or is it a series? It is a series. How is? I mean, I'm but let me let me pitch it to you. Ready? This is a brilliant idea because it, I think Karate Kid started it, and I would actually like to see a ton of movies spun into 2023 series. Okay, okay. Here's what they've done. Fatal Attraction ends. He has to off the lady because she's Glenn Close. Didn't she die? She did. So in this one, I don't want to spoil it, but they show a little different version of what happens in Fatal Attraction, which I think was a 1987 movie, if I'm correct. Um they show a little different version and a lot more depth of like how crazy the Glenn Close character gets. Did she cook a bunny? Is that the? There's no bunny in this one. I don't okay. want to spoil it, but All they right. they didn't use, they didn't have to use the bunny. They didn't double down on the cooked bunny. Okay. Um, but what they've done is they show you what happens after. How many movies have you watched where you're like, oh, there's a definitive ending, and then you're like, wait, there, people were still alive, lives were affected afterwards. Well, that's, that's why there's sequels. So now you. But sequels are generally <laughs> right. kind of cheesy, and they but never match the first movie. That's literally the concept. No, what is their life like after? Sure. Yeah, it's Cobra Kai. Yes. Yeah. I said Karate Kid, but Cobra yeah. Kai, yeah. Cobra sure. Kai is a continuation of that. So, the, so now, because that worked of making an 80s, an 80s movie into a series, you know, 20 years later, 30 years later, whatever it is, now we're going to try the same thing with every movie? It's really good. I blew through. I hope so. I'm not every movie, but a lot of movies where there was a definitive ending. I and there like, was. She died. He killed her. But whatever. he was still alive. So what happens to him? What, he just gets to walk? Does he get jail. to walk? Well, I assume he's in jail in this one. Maybe. Is there a trial? Maybe. Okay. Like, what happened to his wife? They stay together? Like, hey, you know what? I know you cheated on me, but I, I'm i glad you killed the person who was trying to kill me. Thank you. We're back together. Like, does that happen? Spoiler, spoiler alert. I didn't say that happened. I haven't seen the first movie. Does that happen? You didn't see the movie? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Okay. I've only seen the memes of the killing the rabbit. Now, meanwhile, Adam is actually watching something that could really happen. Uh, everyone on the planet is watching I, something that could really I have happen. no idea what's going on with this. This is massive. Oh, no. It's a massive story. Vanderpump Rules, after the season, new episode tonight. Last week was the season finale. Sports Talk Radio live at Team yes. Chevy. Uh, Let's break down the Vanderpump rules. Sure. Uh, I mean, that's very competitive. I yeah. guess you can, you can say that. So after the filming stopped last season, there was a massive development in real life that was very covered by all the TV shows, the gossip columns, everything. And so the cameras decided to go kind of turn on again and see what happened here. So even though the season wrapped up last week, 
which gave a lot of indications of what could come in retrospect. You're like, oh yeah, of course. How did nobody see this? Now that now the new new episode comes tonight, next week the reunion. That's a game changer. That's going to be absolutely wild. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I had kept up with it. Up. Tonight sets it all up. It's really? going to be crazy, okay. absolutely crazy. Um, uh, Patrick Maher back on the show and no. Stassi. I don't know. Stassi has been off the show for be, two seasons. I, that's why I said it. Beyond that, I don't know anything about. The well, show. I I'd kind of checked out too, but this definitely reeled me back. Do they still have their bar over at Caesars? The restaurant? Uh, yeah. Okay. There's a couple, and then they they just op- they're just opening a new bar. They just opened a second. Uh, bar two of the characters from the show open their own bars in, oh, nice. in Hollywood. They seem like good people, which I plan I on going to Friday, and I can't go now because the Golden Knights are playing. Uh, oh, but I was very you have excited a big, to go. Big trip to what? L.A. Yeah, I, was, I have uh, tickets to Jeopardy taping on Friday morning that I had to uh, cancel. Wow, because Golden Knights are playing. That's a bummer. It really is. Working, getting it's in the, the way end of, of the good season. Life. Yeah. It's the end of the season. It could be some good episodes of Jeopardy. Unreal. And then, and then I was going to go over to Schwartz and Sandy's, and I don't get to go there now. It sucks. So here's what we got going on today. We're here until 6 o'clock, Team Chevy, ton of great deals. We're going to tell you about them throughout the show. We've got great prizes. We've got VGK prizes like a, I mean, that jacket is unreal. Yeah. Uh, matching gold jacket and gold hat that you can sign up for. Uh, we've got a ton of other swag from the Aces. We've got free food here from Porta Subs. That includes a bunch of cookies, so keep the cookies away from me. I love cookies. We had a National Chocolate Chip Day the other day. I may have to test out if they're semi-sweet or whatever other stuff Willie was talking about. It's Anna 95. Uh, today can be a winning Wednesday for you at Team Chevy. You can score massive deals. There's two things going on right now. They're doing a 2022 blowout, and they've also got their anniversary sale. So they've got over 400 Chevys and, you know, stock at a lot of places. There's not a whole lot of stock, but they've got plenty of cars here. So come on out. You can grab uh, one of these Chevy Blazers. I was checking some Blazers out a couple weeks ago. They've got them for under $35,000. The, uh, the redesign on these things is really sweet. So you can come in. US 95 and Ann Road is Team Chevy. You can check them out online at TeamChevroletLV.com. Cofield and Company rolling on. we got to get into the uh, Lakers and the Nuggets and see if the Lakers are done for the series or if they actually figured something out. Miss any of the show? We've got you covered. Head to LVSportsNetwork.com and go to podcast to listen to all of your favorite LV Sports Network shows anytime from any place. All right, rolling on. Team Chevy, Cofield and Company. U.S. Uh, 95 and Ann Road. 95 and Ann Road. We have some awesome prizes here, great deals. I want to get to uh, Lakers and Nuggets here in a second. We have a 50-inch TV that we're giving away. you got to sign up before 6 o'clock. Samsung, that's basically uh, all I have in my home. You know that little TV wall I've got? So I've got the, uh, the 50 up there. This has all the uh, smart elements as well. 95 and Ann Road. So we got a, a Samsung TV going out. You don't have to be present, but if you sign up any point during the show, you're in, but you have to get in here before 545 again and and 95, 50-inch TV going out with all the other cool prizes. And we got free food from Porta Subs, courtesy of uh, Team Chevy as well. So, Lakers and Nuggets. We see the big numbers that Jokic puts up, and we'll get to those in a little bit. They blow out to a big lead at the half. Jokic hits a three at the buzzer, which is just completely ridiculous. Um, that was end, actually at the end of the third. Um, but big first half, through three quarters, had 31 points and 19 rebounds. And the Lakers really couldn't cut the lead down inside of 10, and then they make a run at the end. What did the run at the end mean to you? Because for me, I'm ready to bet the Lakers to win the series. Yeah, I mean, I, I see that, and I see that's what a lot of Lakers fans thought, and certainly that was the narrative coming out of Laker land with the players and the coaches and everyone else. Uh, fans certainly and analysts said wow they figured something out they've got it 
Oh, okay. They figured something out for a half to make a rally when the team had a big lead and kind of sat on it a little bit. Does that mean you can carry it over? And does that mean the Nuggets aren't going to now adjust to what the Lakers were doing? Like, now they can adjust to what they were doing. If you had something figured out, maybe you save it for game two when you, they can, you can spring it on them. Because now you, you adjust back. So I'm not going to overreact and say that was, you know, some sign that the Lakers now have it figured out and they're going to cruise in the series. Like, I've seen a lot of people try to try to make the case for. They're still going to have to win at some point on the road in Denver. And if they only win once in Denver, then that means they have to win all the games at home too. Like, it's not going to be easy to get through no matter what you think you figured out uh, in terms of, you know, trying to stop them and maybe, you know, letting Jokic do what he's going to do and not doubling because you don't want to open passing lanes. That's where he's really dangerous. Uh, there's a couple of things that they figured out. There are a lot of things they figured out against the Warriors too, and that ended up working. But it's still a, a real uphill battle, I think, for the Lakers in the series. Yeah, I think the biggest things they figured out is stop playing Anthony Davis on Jokic, go small, and also don't let him run freely to get the ball on the perimeter. Stop that. And I don't know. We'll see. Darvin Ham against Mike Malone. Yeah, Mike Malone. I trust Darvin Ham more. What are the adjustments that Mike Malone's going to make? Because they didn't make really any until the final minute or so on the, the high pick and roll where Jamal Murray sucks yeah. on defense. But I mean, also, he's, he is an awesome player. He didn't know what the hell he was doing on switches. And how many times is Austin Reeves going to be wide open on the left wing to hit a three? Yeah, I mean, we'll see what they do, but I also don't, I don't think that they I don't think they really tried to do anything to adjust. I think they just said, hey, we're just going to cruise to the finish line here. It almost cost them, but it, it didn't. Uh, but I think they were like, hey, we're going to survive this game, then we'll make our adjustments for the next game, and we're not going to tip our hand of what we're going to do to adjust back to this. I think that was kind of an intentional strategy. Not that you know, I'm, I'm claiming Malone to be some genius of the world, but I, I, I think that they are going to have some – some new wrinkles in their in their arsenal. I think they're going to be able to figure some things out, and I don't think they wanted to tip any of that yesterday in the second half. I think they just wanted to find a way to get to the finish line, and they did. And now the Lakers are going to come in and, and play the same way they did in the second half, and the Nuggets are going to have two days to figure out how to adjust back to that and how to counteract that, and I think that they will probably figure something out. I do expect them to win game two, and now the Lakers are in a you know tough spot going home really? to try to win a couple games. I think the Lakers will win game two. Okay. What I like about the Nuggets, uh, some of their support players did play really well, and some of the Lakers' support players got to step up. Like Hachimura was pretty good, yeah. but Vanderbilt continues to be a complete you know nothing on offense, and he got lost a couple times on defense. Um, I like some of the other guys. Like I like Russell, but he is a knucklehead. There are just times he looks lost, and his shot sucks. Now, on the other side, I wish John Von Tobel was here because, man, that guy, going back like five years, uh, loves, loves, loves Bruce Brown, who someone's got to cover him. His his path of lane was outrageous. He had a dunk in the third, like a hammer dunk going straight down the lane. That can't happen. So he beat them off the dribble way too many times. I mean, I the, the problem is you have to pick your poison. You've got to leave some guys open. You've got to let some guys do some things. Yeah. Like you're, well, it's, you it's, tough, it's tough to contain Jokic and Murray yeah. Yeah. and also blanket the rest of the floor. And, my God, if Aaron Gordon ever got going, that's trouble. Yeah. And, his, I mean, the way he gets going is with lobs and putbacks and things like that. And, you know, if he does, that creates so much energy for the team, too. Like, that, that is dangerous. Like, you can't let that happen. But you also can't let Jokic do what he's doing. You can't let, can't let Murray do what he can do. Like, you've got to pick your poison at some point. And, like I said, the Lakers figured it out a little bit. They, they had a path to try to, you know, win the game. They got back in the game for sure. And had a chance to, you know, even tie it near the end. They didn't. So they, they in the in the end, what happened yesterday is yes, 
The Nuggets showed what they can do and dominate and blow blow out a team like the Lakers. The Lakers showed that they can make adjustments and fight back in. But really what happened is the Nuggets won game one. And that's that makes it that much no, more it's difficult. Big, it's big, it counts. To come back. I mean, yeah. it, it counts. It's not like, you know, the, the Lakers stole a game. Yeah. I just think they the adjustments that they can make are more easy to execute than what the Nuggets can. Jokic, yeah. it is still hard to believe the impact Jokic has on a game. Watching him, and I'll just say it, he does look dorky at times. Of course. But he is he but he's actually smooth as hell and at all, you know, three levels of offense, he can be dangerous. So I, I, I said it before the series on Monday. Um I know this would be a simple thing and you would think that NBA teams could employ it, but ball denial would be a big thing in my mind and covering big V big against him I think is stupid. Yeah. They eventually went to Hachimura on him. Now he can he hurt you in the post? Yes, he actually did. And he got the final two free throws. Well, it wasn't the final point of the game, but he got uh, two of the last three points with some free throws where he got the ball, like, you know, post, like, 13 feet away from the basket, and he's just too big, so he destroyed Hachimura, who was desperate, bumped him, fouled him. Are they going to do that all game? Maybe. Maybe. Does that lead to a bunch of buckets, you know, on the opposite side of the floor? Maybe. But to let him operate, getting the ball so easily. The other thing is, and I know they didn't put a whole lot of pressure on – anyone bringing the ball up, he can't be allowed to bring the ball up. Like, you've got to make him work to do that or, or, or have him just get rid of the ball. Have someone smaller on him. He can't He can't get the ball in their own lane and get all the way to the three-point line with no opposition. The, the, you have to break that rhythm. You do, but, I mean, you're also, if he's not bringing it up, if you force it out of his hands, then you are, you know, you're going to give up other things. You're going to let Murray have some room to operate and bring it up or, or someone else and, Find guys that are open. Find Jokic on the wing. You don't want him getting the ball on the wing either. Like he's so dangerous there because he can go. He can go right to the rim and you can shoot it. He can pass to somebody. Like he's dangerous anywhere. So it's not like it's not like you can just say, "Hey, get the ball out of his hand." It's not somebody who needs the ball in his hand at the you know bringing it up. He can get it anywhere and do the same thing. He Adam Hill, Steve Cofield, ESPN, Las Vegas. We'll roll on here from uh, Team Chevy and and ninety five. Stop on in. We're going to be giving away a TV at the end of the show. It's a fifty inch Samsung. You just got to stop by, sign up. You don't have to be present. To win, but you do have to sign up before 545. So get in here, check out all the great deals as you're doing their anniversary sale. But we got a TV going out. We got some great VGK swag as well. It's Adam and Cofield on the road up next. We'll get you uh, some details on what happened in Zona and what it means for the future of the Coyotes and what happens around the NHL. Cofield and company will be right back. Keep it here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. How aware were you of what was going on with the Coyotes and this vote in Tempe and the plan and what they were asking for? I knew it was coming up. I didn't really know what the details were. I knew once it was on the ballot, it was not going to pass. So, I mean, I wasn't too invested in the details of it or, like, trying to find out exactly, um, you know, what they were asking for because I just – I mean, I assume anywhere these things are not going to pass. That's why that's why they fight so hard to keep them off ballots. Uh, but in terms of the actual – money asking for and what the breakdown of the deal was it wasn't something i paid that much attention to just knowing i i think if they were asking for 30 dollars, it probably would have got turned down like i i don't i don't think it's going to happen there's not enough support for hockey anyway and we know who votes especially in a non-presidential election uh what's going to happen there so uh yeah that was going to be the situation i think for sure from the beginning I, I don't think they had any chance no matter what they were asking for details on the deal right first of all they're trying to redevelop some landfill. It's like a 46-acre piece of landfill in Tempe. Good luck. Well, 
I don't know a ton about the property, but is there nothing beyond this project that could go there? Right? I'm sure many things could go there. Maybe there's nothing else that'll go there. I don't know. I, I just it, it brought me back to the notion by Dave Cavill and the A's that the Wild Wild West site at the 15 and Tropicana, nothing else will go there. Like that's not believable, yeah, and I don't believe ridiculous. that this landfill site will have nothing else on it. Yeah, I'm sure. Especially if they do, if they offer the same sort of deal to someone else. Basically, it was another one of these deals where, hey, it's 95% privately financed. And then you start reading the deals and reading into the deal and you read the details. And it's another one of those deals where there's massive tax breaks and it could add up to the tune of $600 million in tax breaks. Well, that's public money. Yeah. Unless you can guarantee me for the next 30 years, nothing will go on that property. Where they would actually play the, pay the taxes, well, and, and this it, is the kind of the new way of, like the Raiders got it outright. This is the new way of, hey, we're taking care of it. By the way, they have to issue city bonds to clean up the landfill, to the tune of two hundred twenty million dollars, and the collateral on the city bonds is the land. Right. Like what? Okay, so what really happens if this whole thing, if the city bond, you know, if the the paying back the city bonds turns into a freaking disaster? Then who's on the hook? Of course. And it's just like people don't want to look into it. And I I watched a video put out by a couple of the guys on um, azsports.com. I forget what station. I think it's 98.7. There's another guy, Minucci, who's on locally there. And they're all like, this is the dumbest thing ever that they didn't vote this through. It's all paid for. Like, it's not. It's word salad. There is a cost to the public. Now, if you want to tell me, though, that there's nothing else that could possibly go there, then I might believe that, but I don't ever believe that, that a piece of property that's attractive to a casino that's, owner that's the point. and an arena and you know real estate moguls that no one else would be interested, I, I just can't buy that, it. That's the point. And, that, I, and also, work. I also don't believe in an era where public money is given 95% of the time that someone's like, oh, we're going to do it all ourselves. Like, we've seen, we, we did see it with Foley and AEG and MGM. There are incentives in there. Right. But, like, that's an example. We saw it with Stan Kroenke. But let me tell you, when Stan Kroenke bought the property at Hollywood Park, and then built his own stadium and now owns it outright, when he came up with that deal, you know NFL owners are rolling over in their graves. And as I say all the time, they're all alive. Yeah. That was terrible for the NFL, and we helped correct it. Well, it, it wasn't in that case. I mean, it was, it was terrible for the NFL for the message. It was great for him. I mean, his yeah. $6 billion property is now worth but it's like terrible. It's billion. terrible for a guy like, hey, the billionaire paid for it. Yeah. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. That's Stan's decision. Well, That's not, that, doesn't, that doesn't jive with the rest as, of us. As we said, we're, we believe it was reported, and I have no reason to dis- disbelieve it, that Major League Baseball has an unwritten rule in place that you cannot privately finance a stadium because of the message that it sends to other markets and to other owners and um, you know, to places to say, hey, this is possible. Like, hey, this this is something that can be done. Because if you send that message, then all of a sudden everybody's going to say, hey, why, why did it work there and it won't work here? But to, to the point about, you know, these tax breaks and things like that, like, yes, it makes sense if literally nothing else is going to go in that spot. But why would a team want to build a stadium in a place where nothing else is going to go? They're going to want desirable land all the time. Look at where they're trying to go here. Every spot that they've talked about or discussed or looked at is a place where something else could be built. Right. I think the Tempe property is just a couple miles away from the airport, too. And obviously, it's much closer to downtown than Glendale. Glendale's in, yeah, and, in and, the sticks. And Tempe is like the center of, of everything. It's right by Scottsdale and, and all these other spots. And Glendale was way out west, where Tempe is you know, just, just you know, north and a little bit east of where, you know, just more, more east, really, 
of where downtown is, and that's you know where the campus is, where airport is, where all these communities are, where all these people go to, where you can go to Scottsdale and you can go to you know to the to the arena. Like that's a great place. I thought this was weird from Greg Wyshynski. He's a really good writer for ESPN on the NHL. Uh, he said the total project cost was an estimated two point one billion, with at least one point nine billion privately funded. Like, no, I don't even know that I could write that comfortably. No, you can't. The in whole deal's case, weird, man. In that case, why not just why not just say, all right, you know, I think we can make this happen for one point nine. Then just build it. Like, figure out how to cut two, you know, two hundred million off the deal, and just build it yourself. Then, What's more likely that Alex Morello, the owner? Who, by the way, owns properties, you know, in in Vegas and in Reno's, you know, casino guy as well. What's more likely that he finds someone else super wealthy to partner with and makes this work in that market? Because it is a very attractive market. It's a gigantic market, and maybe in a new building that's near more people in the Phoenix area, maybe it can work. What's more likely that he finds someone to partner with and they get this done, or that he's going to move into someone else's building in another city? How would he move? I think so. I mean, I, I, they, nobody. I mean, if, you, if you if you had an uh, as an example, if you had an interest, I'm going to go to the extreme example. If you had an interest in being in that area, because you know it's it's a top ten market, and you believe, hey, money's here, you can get fans in the right building in the right location, and then the NHL comes to you and says, hey, okay, well the backup plan is, you know, we really regret not having a team in Quebec City, so let's go. Well, Quebec City is different. I think it would, they, he would want another American market. So I think, but I think he would, would you go, would you no, try? I, I honestly think this is great for him. Now you're just like, hey, who wants a team? Who's going to build us a stadium? Who's going to build us the best thing? Do you think anyone will build him an arena? Possibly. I mean, the, there, there's arenas already out there that could be used. The T-Mobile building in Kansas City opened in 2007. The I was going to call it the Compact Center, but that's now Osteen's Church, the old Summit. Yeah. Uh, the Toyota Center is 22 years old, and Fertitta owns the building. Who else are we talking about? The Vivint Arena, frankly, isn't big enough for hockey, isn't configured right now, and another owner wants that market, not for a team, but for his team. So Louisville? Uh, you know, we only had one source on that one. We had a guy on from Louisville Sports Radio, and he didn't sound bullish on anything moving there. <laughs> sure. Right? Remember, we talked? I think we talked baseball and NBA, and he was like, we're not ready. The Yum Center is not equipped to handle this no. stuff. No. But, I mean, I think that's – the plan will be who wants it. And, yeah, if it, if it is Quebec City, then that's fine. But Would Portland be attractive for the NHL? Maybe. I, I don't think – I think in the in – in the, I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but in this climate, to get public money to build an arena for the NHL, too. If you already have existing arenas, like – Allegiant's different. It's a 65,000 seat stadium. We didn't have a concert venue for concerts that size, for other shows that size. It's the, it, and it's the NFL, which is 100 times bigger. I'm probably understating it than the NHL. If you already have a building and hold concerts, you're going to build a second building for the NHL in some of the cities we named? Probably not. What about a second team in Vegas? Can we do that? No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we want that either. Uh, but I'm sure that there are markets, if you put it out there and said, hey, who's going to – Who's going to do this? I think there's markets that are going to be interested or show show some desire, and so we'll see how it works out. But I, I don't think, like, I, I don't think they're just limited on hey, wh- what can we get done in Phoenix? Like, they're going to try to figure out whatever else they can get. 
follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Ari Produces. Or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. or at ESPN Las Vegas. Team Chevrolet. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, come on by Anna 95. We're hanging out in the showroom. Adam Hill, Steve Cofield. We got a 50 inch TV that we're giving away today at the end of the show. So come in, check out the deals, sign up for the TV. It's a Samsung 50 incher. These are the TVs I get. Um, got my TV wall with uh, at least one of those. And believe me, I don't have an elaborate TV wall, but I've got one to watch sports. And if you want to load up on TVs, Time to come by before 545, and then we're going to go off to the Celtics and the Heat in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals. But come in, sign up, and uh, check out all the good deals. They're doing a 2022 blowout right now, and uh, they've also got their anniversary sale. They've got over 400 new Chevys on the lot. Also, it's trivia night. That's very important. A lot of listeners have reached out on social media and said they want to come challenge us, so bring it on. But you never tell them where it is. I have, I've said it many times. It's at Tanae Creek Brewery on Wednesday nights. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Bring it. Are you? Have you really been getting trash talk? Yeah. People are like, "Oh, I want to go." Uh, yeah. I think even John last week. I'm going to bring a team. Good. John, who? Von Tobel. He's going to bring a bunch of smart people with him. That's what he, what he said. Apparently, he better. <laughs> you know what I meant, right? Yes. That he's not. Well, I, I don't, I'm not saying he's not. Like I should not be the lead of a trivia team at at my age and my. You and John. No. Gather one up. We're the, we're the anchors. I mean, I mean, the one dragging everyone down. It's important to have a diversity of thought and knowledge. So this morning was an interesting uh, discussion on a couple of fronts when it came to UNLV sports. Uh, first of all, I never got your thoughts on DJ Thomas. Massive commits on Sunday. I got to tell you, I was really happy for Kevin Kruger, really happy for the Thomas family that they made the decision. Um, his mother sent out a tweet after DJ decided. Basically saying, we're just glad this is over. <laughs> Which, you know, you don't think of, like, how many people are coming at you from all directions, and, you know, first and foremost, the schools, to try to get your son to play. And while it's a great thing to get a scholarship and get a free education and maybe a pathway to the NBA, it can, it can be grueling. And I would assume at the end of the line, or, you know, because I'm assuming, I'll say assuming 12 times, that you inform some others the last couple of days that, hey, it's not going to be them, that you – I would feel, I mean, I think you would too. Like, I get very guilt-ridden to let people down. Sure. I would feel like I was letting a lot of people down. Yeah, for sure. And look, so It I, must be stressful as hell. I, and, and I've talked about this, you know, on some level. Of, you know, my brother went through a recruiting that was very intense, but not like this. Not where it's like national attention from everybody. It was a lot of attention locally uh, where he was living and where, you know, among a lot of colleges on the East Coast, but nothing on this level. But I understand on that level. Yeah. how crazy it was so to be on a level of literally probably everywhere you go every store you walk into uh every restaurant you're at where are you going where are you going especially when you are a local star yep. who is considering going to the local school to potentially you know quote unquote save the program like that's a lot of pressure on somebody which is the next level angle on this whole thing the pressure that will be on him because we we've yeah. we've talked to in recent weeks Lee Strother, right? And he explained with Julian. At the end, he was like, the school didn't have its stuff together, and the fans will turn on guys way too easily. So we figured, hey, you know, better program. Let's get out of here. Yeah, yeah. And no not question. so many words. That, that was their rationale. 
And I don't know what the final decision came down to with Jalen Hill. I, from what I heard, there were some mistakes made, you know, at some point on the UNLV side in terms of being thorough on the recruitment. But he decided I'm out. Now he's coming back, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, and maybe there's something there with the family where they were like, you know, we part of us wanted to have Jalen stay home, but it didn't feel right at the time. And now it feels right to finish out his career here. But yeah, there's there is going to be that narrative with uh, DJ Thomas, and I think he's going to live up to you know to the billing of being a really good player. I don't know what he's going to do his freshman year. He's going to reclassify and play this year. He's a six foot, hundred and seventy pound kid, so he should be really good. He's a top twenty five recruit nationally, which is a massive get. I will mention though, like UNLV's lack of success uh, in Rebels fans' mind, right? Like after say two thousand fifteen, um, hasn't been due to the fact that recruiting dropped off massively. Now, there were a couple of – there was the first year with Menzies where he came in in May and he just had to cobble together the team. They have, in recent times, gotten top 50 players. Now, Zion Collins did not work out, which meant that Arthur Kaluma was bye-bye, by the way, I think is still in the portal unless he already decided. Yeah. He left Creighton. But they've had a history of getting, you know, big guys, big-name players. Zim was a big get locally. Um, but this is also a legacy kid. He, he went to Liberty, but, you know, his father went to UNLV – um, you beat out Arizona, you beat out USC, UCLA, Gonzaga. I was shocked that Gonzaga didn't stay in, you know, officially stay in it at the very end. Maybe they were there, but I figured they could offer the best NIL deal. So it's a, it's, it's a tremendous get, and what I hope is that it leads to some confidence with some other local recruits. Like, hey, you know what? This program can be really good again. Let's not have, a, you know, kind of a negative attitude about staying home. And trying to get the hell out of here. Well, you need, Let's go play with DJ. You, yeah, you need you you need not only to land the kid, which they did, uh, to show, hey, look, this is not only a good recruit. This is one of the best recruits in the entire country. So number three said, point guard of the twenty twenty four class. Yeah, who said yes? I'm going to stay here and do it. But then you need to have success with him. You need to make it enjoyable for him. You need to make uh, you know build a team around him. You need to make it a good experience so that he tells all these other kids and his coaches tell all these other kids, look, this worked. This was, he didn't regret this. It worked out well for him. It was it was a good experience, and other people can have that same experience. So that's what you want. You don't want it to be, you know, all this, you know, all the pressure that's going to be on him, and that the community turns on him or whatever happens, and then everybody sees that and says, "Why would I go through the same thing?" Like it needs it needs to work out. So that's the next step for this. You can't just get him. You need to make it a good time. And they've got a good collection of players now. Yeah. They're definitely big at the two, three, and four, and they're interchangeable. So the Boone twins both go six eight, six nine. They're in from Oklahoma State and Pacific. You've got Jalen Hill, who's six five, six six. Lou Rod is back at six six. You know Webster's back. Jackie Johnson is back. They do need a big or two. Jackie Johnson's not big. No, he's not. But they also need point <laughs> I, guard depth. No, I know. I know. Right. I mean, it's not. It's not always going to be easy for DJ Thomas. Yeah. Uh, and in spite of what people, and I hope people don't make the mistake again. When you come into the season, stop looking at the Mountain West and going, eh, no big deal. I'm telling you, especially at that position, there are veteran players who play point guard in the Mountain West Conference and big, strong kids. So it's not going to be this, like, super easy path. It's not, it's not easy for almost any freshman when they go to the next level. Yeah, no question. And it's, you know, as you said, it's a, there's kind of a lot of veterans in the league. Um, you know, kids that have been here longer than other schools and kids that transferred in after plenty of other schools. You have older kids, bigger kids, stronger kids. Like, that's that's the, the fact of the matter in this league. Can we spend a minute getting excited for the possibility of a turn-the-corner season for UNLV football? I mean, the expectations are there in terms of win totals. Did you say it? 
Yeah, six. Yeah, DraftKings put out six. So if you want to bet it, I have no idea when. I would assume Tony Miller at the Nuggets going to put up UNLV-related stuff the earliest because he usually does that. And he was very bullish on them last year, and he won. He killed it Yeah. in the beginning of the season because, well, we'll mention it. Brad Powers, our buddy, who's on Thursday, has just faded UNLV heavy early in the season, and the Rebels played pretty well early in the season. The one thing he's ever gotten wrong, I think. Right? <laughs> but, um, but in the end, a five-win season actually was a successful season, even though Arroyo got fired. And the frustrating part is they got out to a good start. So then, then the expectations go from, oh, I mean, three wins. Good luck. Then you get out of the gates well, and it's like, better win eight. Like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. Like, if you look at the way the schedule falls here, um, so the, the win total at DraftKings, which you can bet in Arizona, is six. Seem crazy? No. I mean, I, th- I thought I mean, I thought it would be five and a half. I was a little surprised that it actually came six. but They were five and seven last year. Yeah. And they were on the well, verge of making it. They changed coaches, but it usually takes a step back. But in this case, I just don't think it will. Why not? Uh, I just think they did a good job of building up guys. I also don't, you know, I didn't think a whole lot of their former coach, for one thing. Um, and so I, yeah, In I terms think, of X's and O's, I know you didn't like him, his personality. Yeah. You yeah. didn't like X's and O's either? Let's, I mean, the, the joke, the running joke in the NFL of, you know, if you want to stop Justin Herbert, you know, have, have your opponent hire Marcus Arroyo. Yeah. Uh, and there were some... At the quarterback position in the second half of the season, there were some Josh McDaniels vibes with results with Arroyo. Yeah. When the backup quarterbacks came in, when Brumfield went down, they didn't look prepared. And you heard from, what, Harrison Bailey at the beginning of the season about how intricate the offense were, was, just like you heard from multiple players on the Raiders, including Carr, where they're like, "I like, this is tough. Yeah. Yeah. And then when Brumfield came back, he just wasn't the same guy. I don't think he was ever healthy again. I'm not using that as a an excuse. He was he was solid, but not great like he was before he got hurt. Yeah, I think there was some timidity in his play for sure too, and, and that sometimes happens when you're injured and get hurt a couple of times and don't want to get injured again, want to stay on the field like that. That tends to happen. So I think a lot of those factors came into play, and the schedule got harder too. Um, there was some difficulty. So, but usually, yeah, you would expect. All right, you take a step back. You kind of you know build up the the players that you want to have in. Uh, build the roster the way that you want it. It takes maybe a year or two, but in this case, um, I, I I think that you know co- the players that they had already, combined with the guys that they brought in, combined with the respect that Barry Odom has as a coach, I think you know built those expectations a little more. There's going to be a lot of stories in August of excitement. Like who is this guy? They have brought in, they turned over the roster on offense. They brought in a ton of freshmen and JUCO speedsters from like. Timbuktu, and I'm not ripping on where they got them from. I think they have a lot of stories where it's kind of reclamation projects where guys who, you know, had a chance at D1, went to JUCO, guys who couldn't get to D1, went to JUCO, you know, late bloomers, guys who only weighed 150 or 160 coming out. I mean, they have a ton of speed. Jacob De Jesus showed some really good things in the spring game. Yeah. Now, who's going to step up in the run game? And you know, they did lose. Their two best offensive linemen were Lee Fountaineau at center. He's at Arizona State. And Preston Nichols was a late transfer to Purdue. So, O-line, we're going to have to get a lot of answers in August. Running back position, Aiden Robbins was awesome.